Welcome to Frontier 3, presented by PatSnap. In this 20-episode podcast series, we'll be unpacking the innovation ecosystem of Web3. From tokenized physical goods to the digital assets and smart contracts that will build the metaverse, Web3 is one of the biggest technological and socioeconomic paradigm shifts in history. Join PatSnap's co-founder, Ray Chohan, for a fascinating deep dive into how Web3 will fundamentally change how we live, work, and play. Welcome to Frontier 3. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Frontier 3. In today's episode, our host, Ray Chohan, sits down with Diego Borgo. During today's episode, Ray and Diego explore Web3 and NFTs and how they will transform our future. Today's episode is brought to you by PatSnap. Learn how to unlock your limitless innovation potential with connected innovation intelligence. CII is an AI-powered technology that comes through millions of disparate data points, segments them by industry and relevance, and weaves the insights together to create a meaningful narrative. The result? a holistic 360-degree market view where you can easily spot risks, identify opportunities, and accelerate the pace of innovation. We created the Definitive Guide to Connected Innovation Intelligence to give you an in-depth understanding of how CII can help your business innovate better. If you want to grab a copy of this, head over to patsnap.com or click the link in the description of this podcast to get it today. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. So welcome, Diego. Really excited to uh, have you join today. And uh, first, I'd like to love to kick off with is we absolutely love some of the work you're doing on LinkedIn at the moment in terms of trying to educate the Web 2 and Web 1.5 world about Web 3. So firstly, welcome. And Diego, would love to kick off with just your background and and how you ended up in the world of Web3 and just your kind of genesis story in terms of your career arc, Diego. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate the time and appreciate the invite. Really stoked to be here. And uh, yeah, just, you know, I'm just trying to share my experiences. I'm by no meaning, uh, you know, an expert or, or anything. I feel like we are in a, in a moment where, you know, we are the forefront of a whole new technology. If you want to talk about Web3 or, you know, NFTs specifically or even Metaverse that Whoever is claiming to be a, an expert right now is is definitely lying because we we don't know where this is heading. You know, there's there are a lot of people that have been uh, within the space and are OGs that you know have gained respect and knowledge through being and sticking our, around for long term. But you know, we are all learning. So I'm sharing my experience and appreciate you know that's bringing value to other people. So yeah, stoked. Uh, my experience, yeah. So within within crypto itself, right? Um, I joined I joined the space about. Um, in 2017, end of 2017, the crypto space. Um, I was really, really excited about the technology, um, you know. So I, I, I got introduced by a couple of friends that uh, were really into tech, um, and they started like just sort of like talking about decentralization, blockchain, uh, the different applications, you know, the different use case of uh, blockchain as a whole, not necessarily just as a currency or you know a, a manner of exchanging. Uh, value between either people or you know potentially machines in the future but um i was excited about the whole thing you know like the fact that it's being that's decentralized the fact um that you could uh you know impact uh society you could impact supply chain you could 
impact so many different sectors. So I, I, I really got excited about it uh, in 2017. Dive really, really, really deep into the sort of like learning all I could about it. Um, by Jan, Feb 2018 is when I started like wanting to put my money down, um, <laughs> which is funny because 2018, as a lot of people may know, was the all-time high on the market. So I bought the top um, and that made me keep, you know, holding a couple bags for for a couple for a couple of years um, because of that situation. And obviously, you know, crypto back then, uh, for me at least, was a lot about, uh, you know, charts and uh, reading through white papers and, you know, just those potential things that could happen. Um, you know, ICOs were a big thing as well, which ended up, uh, you know, being quite like a hype, hype uh, on the space. I lost a little bit of like traction within it. You know, I kept up like, reading and, and learning about the technology just because I'm curious by nature, but became very analytical to me. Uh, you know, when you, when you start looking, I'm not a day trader. I'm not a trader. Uh, you know, my brain, my brain works really well on the creative side. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of like what I do for a living. I'm a digital strategist. So for, you know, work on digital marketing, digital strategies, uh, I work with um, campaign, uh, I work with companies, you know, launching campaigns and, uh, you know, building uh, journeys, uh, user experience and all of that. So the creative side of my brain, you know, didn't allow me to go too far into the analytical aspect of like day trading and charts. Um, you know, so I, I sort of like got a bit disencouraged from that, which obviously looking now, I regret a little bit because if I would have stuck enough, uh, stuck around enough, I would, you know, be in a, in a, in a pretty good place because once, uh, you know, NFTs or metaverse were, starting to become a thing I'm, I'm sure that if i would be around back then my brain just would go like whoa like that's what i was waiting for <laughs> so yeah that's kind of like the the crypto and tech background you know i've been i've been around for for a while learning about these things um from like a more professional background um i graduated in um you know in, in like basically in um marketing and then um i did a phd uh, um master in uh, digital marketing so basically that's kind of like what my my actual background was um and but I, i've been working since i was 14 you know i've been i've been going around and, and learning and trying to create stuff uh, creating small business here and there uh, worked on the agency side uh, as i mentioned before and work a lot on the client side as well majority of the time you know i was i was happy to be in a place that i i've seen trends or i was early enough to be there uh, so you know, like seventeen, eighteen, um, I was I was already like pretty deep into digital marketing, pretty deep into performance marketing. Um, you know, like back on when social exploded, I was I was there as well. You know, creating like Twitter campaigns for brands, and I was working for like Microsoft, Red Bull, Samsung on the agency side, and helping them to to sort of like you know get get into that new new way of. Um, doing things. So that's, that's kind of like in a nutshell, um, you know, from both sides, from the professional side and from the, from the crypto, um, you know, um, NFT side where, where I'm coming from. Yeah. So it's interesting. So you've got this kind of classic digital marketing journey and you got bitten by the bug in late uh, 2017 and then decided to have some skin in the game in 2018, which is great. It's great to have skin in the game to feel part of the community for you, I mean, I'm seeing a, a whole army of digital marketers coming across to Web3 in, in various form factors. Was it something in specific that you observed in 2017 and 2018, which made you 
energized and go, wow, I want to spend hopefully the, 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 the next journey in my career in Web3 with it, with this. Could you unpack that further and what specifically got caught your attention? Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting. And I think, you know, um, rather, rather probably the opposite of, you know, what a lot of um, people from the same journey than I did. When I start digging, you know, really deep into performance marketing and working really deep into the background or the back end of platforms like Facebook or Google, um, you know, my first glimpse into it was, um, you know, I'm talking about like ads platform, right? So how do you create an ad campaign? How do you, um, you know, start looking to building personas or look like audiences? Um, and looking at those things and the amount of data you could, you know, click around and the amount of data that was being collected and being sort of like supplied for a marketer uh, to work with to then choose very, very precisely the audience um, you want to work with. Uh, or you want to, you know, display your ad to. Um, from a professional point of view, that obviously make my brain just explode because it was like, this is the future of advertisement, 100%, right? But then from a personal point of view and from my from a more like ethical point of view, it was like, what what is going on here, right? Like, what? I'm, I'm not supposed to have that amount of data in front of me. I'm not supposed to like be looking at, at those things, right? Like, I, I even felt like, this is wrong, right? Um, so if you look from, you know, web one, two, and three, um, the actual way of, the way I see it is that, you know, web one is basically the information economy. Now we can read, right? We're looking at stuff and we can read, we can consume. Um, web two is basically like the platform economy, right? That's where all the social media stuff came in and Amazons and Googles and and others and other companies like that, where you know, like you can read, but now you can also sort of like take part of it as a as a writer, right? You can add information to it. Um, and the issue for me with you know the way that things develop things develop with Web Web two, apart obviously from the incredible amount of value that those platforms brought, uh, you know, from bringing mainstream media control to people actually having control of like the information and the content they are creating. Apart from that, which is obviously has been extremely positive, um, what we were doing as users were basically exchanging the most valuable things we have, which is private information and personal data, in order to use a free product, right? Um, so that's kind of like when that bug hit me, and I was like, you know, the bug got me, as you said, and I was like, wait, 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 there's there is must be a better way of doing this. This isn't sustainable. This isn't right. Uh, you know, this is like really, really, really centralized. Um, and then when I first heard about like blockchain and not even Web3, right? Blockchain, just that decentralization, decentralization aspect of it, um, you know, and sort of like the redistribution, uh, you know, of information or, uh, you know, not having no one owning that information in the back um, and users sort of like then, you know, moving into Web3, where for me, sort of like the ownership economy, where now you can read, you can write, but you can also sort of like create, execute, and on. That for me was exciting. You know, I was like, whoa, imagine, imagine if you live in a world where instead of having two or three companies that own this data that is being put into their systems and, uh, you know, are making obviously an incredible revenue from it, uh, but the user, the end user, isn't getting anything apart from the free product. 
Um, imagine we live in a world where I, as a user, can choose what I want to do with my data, if I want to sell that data, which type of data I want to sell, for how much I want to sell. And my stake on playing the game is actually creating re- is actually you know creating revenue for something that um, I'm on I-, I own it right um, so like that that whole thing was like really hot and you know uh, boiling in my brain I was like yeah but you know like when when will that happen how is that possible like we will never be possible right and then I started diving more into arbitrary and you know and, and all those things and I was like oh th- there's some change here there's some things happening. Um, you know, and, and I got very excited about it and the, the rest is history. You know, I've been spending a lot of time hanging around and trying to help and trying to build and trying to be part of it. Um, I feel we are at the foreground of, uh, you know, uh, a new paradigm and, a, and a, you know, a new shift uh, where technology and culture are getting together, uh, you know, ex- exactly the way it did in the 90s with the internet, exactly the way it did. Uh, you know, in 2000s, 2010 with uh, social media. Um, and I think we are passing through that cycle once again. You know, that's that's where we are right now. We are early. Um, you know, I feel that the difference is this time that we have, a, you know, a, a technology that will enable us to do things in manners that we have never done before. Um, you know, so since I sort of like grasped that concept, um, I've been spending quite a lot of time awake overnight and researching and, you know, and figuring those things out. Yeah, it's interesting, Diego, you mentioned during your Web2 journey, you felt some fiduciary and ethical responsibility, not responsibility, but you obviously were looking at data and you probably took a couple of steps back and thought, God, this isn't right because this is really valuable data. So, so that that's kind of probably the scariest part of, Web two for us here at Pat Snap. So, so for, for the way I've kind of always observed it is, you've had Web one, which is the innocent phase where it's basically read only. It's like a beautiful online magazine, uh, and most of Web one, from, from the way I observed it, and Web one point five was, I think Chris Dixon says it from AZ sixteen really well. He calls it skewmorphic ideas. Mm-hmm. So ideas in the analog world, which just became read online so like an online magazine or my dad back in the 90s would read his favorite newspaper just online same thing it's just online and that was the nice innocent phase of the web right but then web 2 it seems like all the big names and we know who they are the big social media platforms i like to think on the good side of it i don't think that was their original intention when they started rolling out in what 2004 and started really scaling between 06 and 012 but that's what they became right like just huge vacuums of really valuable data and the actual users in return got likes hearts and probably some mental health problems along the way innocently right i don't think anyone kind of planned for this it was kind of all just happened in web 2 so th- that responsibility and that fiduciary sentiment are you seeing that with many digital marketers who are web two guys and girls with a similar career track as you, but who also see that, holy shit, like this is wrong. Having access to this data and I I like web three. It's it's, web three is the technological frontier to 
balance power back to users and builders? Are you seeing that happening from a sentiment and cultural level within your profession? Yeah, I haven't had like a similar conversation on the on the on the journey, right? That's what I I meant when I when I said you know I might have been I might be coming from a different angle. Um, what I hear a lot yet still because again we are early. Um, is that a lot of people are looking at NFTs right now as the next, the next, um, you know, uh, channel, the next traffic driver, the next way where, you know, you can build this thing that everybody's going to be excited. So, you know, brands will be like, oh, I want people to perceive my brand as a, as tech edgy, right? So I'm going to jump on this thing right now, uh, you know, do a quick project and then generate some revenue and like, that's it. Let's call it a day. So I feel I feel that education and and that's kind of has been a little bit of my my intention and and role um, within LinkedIn where we we got to talk to each other um, you know it's kind of like just trying to show the depth and the you know the different angles that we can take into it um, we probably now if you'll be sitting right now in the nineties and trying to figure out what the internet is um, we would be ginormously wrong even though we would be looking into the craziest possible scenarios um and i think we are doing the same right now you know if you look at the internet back there in the 90s and think oh that's going to be a way that um i can sell more products for sure you're right right that's one way of looking at it but what the internet has done is just you know bringing social connection to entire new level right just creating uh you know entire new layer of how humans communicate, interact, create, uh, build, distribute uh, with each other, right? So I feel I feel that that kind of like similar approach from a cycle perspective is what's happening right now. Um, I'm very, very bullish on it, obviously, because, you know, I've been around for a while and I sort of like, I'm seeing it and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it happening. But um, I haven't seen, apart from, you know, great leaders and great minds like Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, very few people seem to have got a very good understanding of what is heading within the space. Uh, you know, I think Gary has done a great job by, uh, you know, coming in early, uh, joining with, you know, putting putting his money where his mouth is, which he's really great at. Um, he has permission to come into the space, to the OGs, you know, join, he can hang around. And then he went there and dropped his own project you know, became one of the most successful projects within the NFT space. Um, and uh, now because he has done that journey, now he can talk about it and he gets inside out, right? So I feel like within the wider marketing space, um, because the, you know, the essence and the disruption that NFTs and Web3 and all of it uh, will bring, I feel we're still looking at it from a from a very isolated way, from a very ROI type of mentality, you know, I, I keep getting that question asked whenever I'm talking to, you know, like senior leadership and, and you know, high up hierarchy. Uh, people are like, but what is the ROI? You know, how do, how do we measure the ROI? Uh, what are we selling here? Um, and that's not <laughs> the right way to see it, right? I mean, with social media, it was the same. Everyone was like, oh, what is the ROI? What is the ROI? What is the ROI? Till everybody started to understand the, you know, the actual impact you can create by connecting, giving value, um, you know, shortening the conversation, bringing consumers and users to the foreground, 
and using your brand as a platform for them to create, to build, and to get together on. Um, so yeah, like um, I think I'm seeing that from a little bit of a different angle. I'm not saying that I'm the only one, by far not, but I feel the space within the marketing and you know digital marketing community at least you know the people interact and follow and and consume content from they they're not there just yet apart from you know gary's a is is a genius when it comes to you know understanding attention and where the the trends are heading yeah, you know it's interesting diego the way you describe that the time arc you know what this reminds me of in, in a really fun funny way if you go back to and i knew as a digital marketing leader you, you would have lived through this right but if you remember between oh well oh eight well oh seven to oh eight you had large incumbents and we know who all they are who all were kind of going holy shit we need to figure out digital mm-hmm. it's big digital uh what do we do shall we uh, engage one of the big three consultants which they probably did and we know who those guys are and or should we hire an independent consultant who can help us navigate this thing called digital to take our ad spend to another dimension or, or figure out a better ROI? It, it, and, 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 and all these companies spent a small fortune, didn't they, with really talented advisors who did a lot of good work on educating them on, firstly, what digital marketing is and what it means in terms of their, their business and the future of their product sales and and their market. It seems right now from a Web3, NFT, social tokens, call it what have you, we're experiencing the same thing. You've got large, great names, great companies with great products, all saying, wow, we need to get some of the frontier minds in the doors, get them in-house to educate and execute this whole Web3 thing because... Frankly, we bloody don't have a clue, but we know it's going to mean something. Would you say we're at that cycle now? One hundred percent, like one hundred percent. And when it, you know, when you look at what companies are doing already, the ones that are testing the waters, um, and by companies I mean like corps, huge corps, right? Coca Cola has done an NFT; they sold it for a million, uh, was an auction. Uh, McDonald's has done an NFT the other day, which you know. Um, I'll question the way the execution went because it's for U.S. residents only. Um, and also, you know, nobody knows so far what the utility behind it, behind this. The way that they communicate, um, you know, the campaign they run was basically, it was a social play. So, you know, KPIs behind it were basically uh, retweets, view, and sort of like brand hit, if you will. Um, you know, Visa has bought a CryptoPunk. Right, haven't done anything with it. It was a way for them to like look we cool, right? You guys think we cool? You know, so far that that's kind of like how I've been seeing it. So all of this, um, you know, you see again this repeating itself and is exactly what you just said. The ring the ring the consultants that, you know, have been within their paychecks for a long time. Um and just because the nature of it they won't understand or they don't understand just yet, because you know, to understand NFTs down deep and to see where this is coming from and how this is developing, you have to spend hundreds and hundreds of hours on the tweeters, on, you know, Discord channels. You have to be within the community. You, have, you need to connect with the community. You need to understand what's going on there. You need to understand the lingo. You need to understand 
uh, you know, why people value what they value, where all this crazy money is coming from, uh, you know, why people are buying JPEGs at the price they're buying those JPEGs. Um, and to do that demands time. And, you know, because it's such a quote unquote new thing, obviously we know that it has been around since 2017, but, you know, since 2019, end of 19 is when things really, really got bigger and bigger. Um, it's really difficult, you know, if you haven't been around to now know what this is heading or how to come in with the right way. The difference, though, from um, the digital, let's figure out this digital thing, as you said before, which is the briefing that probably a lot of corporations are giving away right now to agencies, um, is that if you want to talk to die-hard NFT community members or even OGs, it's not about the money right now. Because if you've been long enough around the space and you know no matter what you have bought or no matter what you have invested or no matter what you know how much you put it down just because the way everything is going from a solely from an investment point of view um there is millionaires mating being made every day right if you bought like a crypto punk in mid-2019 which was probably costing between 50 to 300 dollars now you don't buy that under 300 grand, right? 250 grand. So what I'm trying to say is that the way companies, corporations, projects, um, you know, celebrities, artists, um, athletes, the way everyone that is, has got budget and, you know, wants to be part of this space should be looking at it is not how you can actually financially reward someone in order to get their expertise as you usually do with consultants because that's not that's not doing it right now you know um, the way you should be looking at it is you know onboarding getting those people on board and giving you know a platform for them to help you and to help the community making this space you know a better space and making web3 a better space than web2 and web1 was you know it's 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 a lot about the causes, a lot about how can we create win 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 situations, right? Um, if you look, for example, when Visa bought the punk, the crypto punk, it's one of the very few um, financial transactions where everyone involved wins, right? Visa got brand hit and sh showed a little bit of an edge in a space, you know, that we know who the players are and who is sort of like conflicted by crypto developing a lot. Um, Larva Labs, the creators of CryptoPunks, got obviously their cut as a creator. Um, the owner of that CryptoPunk sold for profit. The community that is the CryptoPunk community has got value because, you know, there's more attention and where there's more attention, potentially there's more, uh, you know, upside. Um, the overall NFT community also got exposure because now more people are talking about NFTs. So the way, you know, from a consultancy point of view and from a, hey, let's try to figure it out, this NFT thing, um, you know, those companies should be looking at is, is that value? How can we add value? Um, you know, should be looking into playing the long term. You should be looking to partner with either OGs on the space, you know, uh, that have been around for a long time and has got um, skin in the game and respect within the community and deeply understands how we can make it sustainable um, yeah. or use it as a platform, you know, 
money won't do it. It's not about the budget. It's not about how much it costs to get consultancy right now. It's much more about like, how can we actually build something together? And I feel knowing, you know, being a consultant for almost 15 years right now and have worked with several different brands and corps, um, it's really difficult for senior leadership to understand and have those conversations because obviously they're on as deep, um, you know, and they're very on the high, 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 high level. So I feel the natural aspect right now, and again, going back to what I'm doing on LinkedIn, is just trying to educate and trying to help and trying to show my point of view on how we can make it sustainable together because it's a new space, it's a new world, right? Um, and, yep. and, and building for the community with the community uh, in a situation that's a win-win for everyone, there is no better way of doing it. Diego, you covered some key items there, which I'm, I would love to unpack. Things like utility, kind of... It's interesting how NFTs are being purchased by the big names, as you mentioned, MasterCard, McDonald's, but then they're kind of manifested with Web2 metrics because they probably don't know how to measure them. Yeah, right? exactly. But before we go down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. obviously we hear different definitions all the time, and I've heard some brilliant ones, but let's face it, most of this audience still won't have a bloody clue what NFTs really are. So have you got a 30-second definition of what NFTs are or, or what Web3 is? Yeah, like the way the way I look at it, right? From a from a from a movement standpoint, from a shift standpoint, this is one of the very few moments where culture and technology got together. So artists, musicians, creators got together with tech savvy people to build something really exciting. And that's what caused all of it, right? And what it is for me is we've been within the digital space and living our digital lives for quite a while right now, but we haven't had digital ownership of anything before. And now through NFTs, we are being able to own, prove ownership and transform and bring physical items into digital items as well. So you know you can you can on how you could potentially apply NFTs to housing, to real estate, to products, to uh, you know any type of exchange of information in exchange of data. Um, everything that exists, membership programs, everything that exists could be and will be uh, you know disrupt, disrupted by this this technology. So that's kind of like for me a uh, a very simple way of of putting it together, you know. And for us, and you know, I, I might assume obviously that your audience is also within potentially the same um, age range as us. You know, between thirty to forty to fifty years old, let's say thirty to fifty, we are not used yet with the idea of owning something digitally, because we've experienced the digital revolution. We've been there when all of it started: internet, um, social media. Google, all those those things happen, but we haven't really experienced owning digital assets or owning something purely digital. In the other side, the coming generations have been experiencing it since day one. So if you played Roblox or uh, you know Fortnite, you're buying a skin on Fortnite for like two hundred dollars. That does that that has absolutely no utility if not changing the way your character looks in the game. They're used to it. If you've been playing 
uh, RPG games that you know that you pay a membership to be part of the game or you can purchase certain weapons that make you stronger, those are purely digital assets that have been purchased and have been pushing revenue through the roofs in the gaming industry for a long time. And this generation grew up like that. So as soon as they start looking into NFTs rather than you know, the way we look at it, which is trying to understand why there is the value that they, they, there is behind it, they get it in a second. And there will be no question that, you know, as soon as they come on board and as soon they start looking into those things, they will get it in a second and the, the rest is going to be history, you know. So yeah. I think that the parallel of, you know, digital gaming, when you buy something to get you into the game or to give you more access or just to look better uh, is one-to-one to NFTs is the best, is the best like analogy I think I could come up with. Mm. And it, you know, what's interesting now. So I think NFTs, I, I think in the next six months, it will continue to just be in kind of the public mainstream media, people talking about it in different form factors, just capturing clickbait and headlines, but that's good because it, supports the education curve we're all on and the journey we're all on. But I think the key thing, especially looking into Q1 of next year, is the big U word, utility, right? Like, obviously, you're one of the trailblazers in the market, working with some world-class brands, working with currently a world-class organization like Adidas, who I'm a massive fan of. I think it's an amazing company, very innovative company. On a hundred thousand foot overview, and it, it doesn't have to be the fashion industry or the sports industry. Where do you think we're going to start seeing seeing compelling utility next year? Compelling enough that some of the folks with grey hair, who let's face it, the the slightly younger boomers, who control the balance sheet at the moment in terms of most of the capital start really leaning in to NFTs and, and the promise of Web3. What do you think needs to be done in from a utility standpoint to get that kind of ripple effect stroke aha moment in the market, Diego? Yeah, I mean, I think the way we will shift um, creation of products or services in a manner that will be a win-win-win situation, as I mentioned before, and will drive numbers and growth and all of that good stuff that we know is appreciated within a capitalistic market um, is by shifting the creation process, the creative process. So let's stick to, let's stick with the, um, you know, sportswear sportswear industry or, you know, um, fashion industry, just, just, just for the sake of an example. Imagine if brands, you know, I'm talking like big brands, get together with their consumers and bring them on board using, for example, very well-known IPs of products that they have created and they have transformed that, those products into culture-relevant culture products that have, you know, gone through different generations. They own the IP of that product and now they're getting consumers to come on board with them to create the future of that product. And that can be an NFT-gated experience, right? So imagine 
you've bought into an NFT that has been released by a brand. This brand, this NFT is basically a membership access, right? Is a is a is giving you like access to the club, right? To be part of it. And one of the utilities of that NFT is to bring you uh, closer to the brand from a creative aspect. So you know you can create what consumers want you to do, uh, and want you you know to be the future. Want to be the future from a product point of view. And then let's say that there's twenty, thirty, forty thousand of those consumers getting together and co-creating the future of the brand together, whether that be in physical, digital, or both. Now you already have an audience which you can market that product from. You can market that product to. You know the insights where they are coming from. And once you put that product out there, we'll have an entire new story on how brands are now getting together with consumers and, uh, you know, pushing products out of the door. The way it's interesting for consumers is not necessarily just the speculation on the NFT and being part of something really dope, but also if you start looking into the redistribution of wealth instead of that company just using you as a data point to actually um, you know, get information to create that product, now you have infractionalized ownership of the revenue and uh, that specific product as someone that has been part of the creation process. Okay, Imagine so how mind-blowing it would be if you put a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization where companies throw their IPs into it, get a bunch of creators together and say, let's make like the next five years of these products into a whole different way. And let's do a very exciting story behind it from the people to the people, from consumers to consumers. And on top of it, because you put in the time and you've been part of it, now you're going to have fractionalized ownership of the revenue. Okay, so let, let's look at an example of it. Say one of my favorite uh, soccer trainers, football trainers were the Predators. I had the first version, I think, uh, when I was a kid. Big fan, right? So a theoretical example might be is you might have Adidas, Nike, any brand, for example, pick their favorite football tra- uh, shoe or a new shoe version one v1 of that shoe but the actual design the ip the engineering they throw that into a dow and then say look you can buy the trainer with the trainer you get the associated nft but v1.5 v2 will be composable by the community who have the nfts So you get to co-create and build on top of V1 to then hopefully manifest V1.5, V2. And if you deploy that time and energy as a creator to enable that brand to create something fantastic because it's being created by the actual users and the true fans, they have ownership. They have fractionalized ownership in the sales of that specific apparel, be it a football boot, be it a revolutionary T-shirt used in weight training, for example. Is is that a future you see? So the actual innovation is done in partnership with your customers and your most passionate fans. And that that helps build the brand, the story behind a specific product. 100%. The conversation is not 
I'm telling you what you want now. The conversation is we get together and we create something really exciting for everyone. And that's okay. where I see there's a lot of value. Is, is that what I think will happen next year? Is that what I think will happen in two years from now? Probably not. Is that what I think could revolutionize the way we do business and create new revenue streams and create new models and create new um, ways of you know creating products? I definitely think so. Now, if you want to say, you know, something short term for, for the, what is the ROI question, <laughs> you know, by, by taking part into projects that are already out there, you know, so imagine like a big brand that has a very, very, very strong leverage through the brand as a platform um, coming out and partnering with uh, already existing projects within the NFT space. I'm saying partnering, I'm not saying buying it. It's not like what Visa did or what other brands are doing. Just, oh, I bought this thing. Look at me. I'm saying like you come in and you join the party. You ask for permission to be part of the community. And ideally, those projects will be, uh, you know, supporting your uh, core values as a brand, right? Let's say that you want to support sustainability. You want to support, you know, woman empowerment you want to support inclusion and diversity whatever whatever your brand stand for come in the space and be part on helping those projects to scale and create value and adding to it to them automatically mm-hmm. by just coming into the space by that way you will acquire a quite large number of new diehard consumers just because um, you know the way you came in that has you know if you drop a let's say a physical or a digital product a little bit down the road, that will have a direct impact because people are seeing the value bringing to it. Uh, you know, so that's, that's a manner of, of sort of like how to have a short-term impact, but being community first and partnering with either projects or creators that are already in the space rather than just trying to do your own thing because look at me, I'm doing NFTs now. Okay, so you're saying in the short term, say next 24 months, you might have big household name brands go, let's go the reverse. There's all these DAOs there anyway, doing cool stuff in different discords out there. One could be doing something around gym apparel, for example, right? And having discussions and doing creative designs with NFTs, blah, blah, blah. You could have a big brand join that discord join that down so look we're here at the party we love what you're doing as a community we want to sponsor actually we want to throw in a bit of ip free you guys compose on top of it and we want to add value to your community want to contribute content we'd love to do a podcast we'd love to write articles do videos maybe short movies on on the different platforms to kind of beat the drum about this specific DAO and then add value to the people in that DAO and then give them probably a specific project to work on. And that just builds momentum around that community. And I'm guessing people who deploy the time and energy to accept the project from the big brand, that just, then that potential value accrues back to just all the original OGs in that DAO. So is, is that how it could manifest next year and, and the year beyond yeah that's that's what i think there is value to it you know that's what i think is the right way to come inside it doesn't have to be a DAO because they understand the complexities of 
uh, you know, legal liabilities and finances and, uh, you know, all those aspects when you start coming, you start talking about DAOs and all of it, but can be as simple as a project, you know, can be as simple as a, an artist, can be as simple as a community. Doesn't have to be like, that's why I'm talking short term, because the other vision I, I mentioned before was like the long term bullish scenario on how we will change the way business are being done through NFTs. But, you know, in the short term, you can definitely you can definitely do that with, you know, an artist or you can do definitely do that with, uh, you know, a project that's already out there and consolidates and resonates 100 percent one to one with your brand. You know, why there are so many NBA players jumping into a board ape community right now? Because they feel represented by the artwork, they feel represented by that community. They feel they are talking to people that are saying than them, they're like, they're, you know, exactly the same people. Uh, why not doing that as a brand? If there is like, let's say, you as a brand stands for, uh, you know, we want to we wanna give women a voice in tech, for example. Very specific. But we know how, you know, the bro culture within crypto NFTs is. And if you feel that, you know, there is a place where you want to, uh, you know, leverage that message, uh, partner with a project. Like, World of Women is a great project. You know, um, Beauty Boss is a great project. Um, those are projects made from women, for women, within the space to bring, uh, you know, newcomers, to educate, to make it easier for women, women to come into the space. So imagine if you as a brand understand that's one of your core values and you come in and you partner with them and you build on top of it and you help to spread the word through your platform, which is huge, uh, you know, and uh, your mission is to help educating uh, and supporting women on getting to the space by partnering with the project, for example. Um, that That's simple. It's a simple use case of, you know, how you can uh, start leveraging a community by a very authentic way, by adding value to it, by being community first, not coming in and cash grabbing. Because everyone within, or majority of the people within the NFT space has been in crypto before, right? Um, it's a very niche thing still. It's very, the, the entry level is really, really complex because UX is horrible and because you need crypto to purchase and, you know, go go through the process. So people have been around to sense by miles whether there is a, crash, a cash grab coming or, you know, if whoever's coming through the door is coming either for the money or for the attention rather than supporting the community long term. So people is it. There is no way. So, you know, if you want a solid and, and a sort of like a um, sustainable strategy on how to come in and then, you know, start looking to results, mid to long term, um, I would definitely recommend that one. Yeah. So, so have you got any, obviously, again, at 100,000 foot overview, it can be any industry, Diego, any specific examples and some of the nuance and detail on what that might look like next year? where you've got a, a big brand who goes all in on a specific community, like what, what industry and, and what will they be specifically contributing to that community, which then manifests into some web three form factor? What do you think it'll look like next year? Yeah. Like I, I obviously can hope, right. Um, that what I've been sort of like, um, preaching around is is resonating and, and hopefully you know it's being it's the right approach and and hopefully will be executed by by different brands um 
but I think you know, like if you want to summarize that in a word, it's co-creation. I think um, you know the sort of like the 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 last five to ten years, we've seen a lot of co-creation, a lot of uh, brands getting together with individuals, uh, the brands getting together with smaller projects. Uh, you know, through I don't know if you want to call it like influencer marketing or whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of things being built within already existing communities and already existing audience. Um, a lot of obviously focused on driving revenue and traffic, but a lot of also focused on on building, you know, strong collaborations, strong, um, strong change. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not being just heads on the clouds and saying, yeah, let's change the world and everything, because I know, you know, we did we need to drive revenue on all of it. But I think both things can be complementary. Um, so yeah, I think, I think co-creation, co-creation is the matter, um, you know, the way that brand should be coming in. Um, I hope that will be the way, um, from being in the space and sort of like seeing what's going on. I see a lot of signs and moving parts, um, of brands sort of like, you know, being mindful of that specific audience because the ones that aren't are getting roasted big time. Right. Um, one, one really cool example of someone that could just have come in and said like, that's the thing I've got for you is uh, Tarantino, right? Um, Quentin just launched uh, an NFT where, uh, you know, unseen scenes of Pulp Fiction are NFT. So he came in and he went, you know, into different sort of like panels. He was sitting with OGs and, you know, people that have been around for a long time. And he's quiet. He's learning. He's listening. He's open. He wants to be guided. He's one of the best or you know most important um, creators and filmmakers in history, which could do whatever he wants, but when he noticed that there was a new thing and a new technology is coming in, and he's open to listen, you know. So I think I think that's what is exciting about it. I think you know the aspect of decentralization and all of it is that he elevates the playing field in a manner that everyone now can sort of like be you know a creator or can partner with with different projects no matter how how big or no matter the size and uh if that's truly done and you know truly focused on the community and adding value um i think there's such a huge upside because nft is not going anywhere uh you know the community is growing day by day we're talking right now about five hundred thousand active wallets right compared to the amount of um internet users around the world uh and everybody's talking about nfts right now and we are just like 500,000 active wallets. People have more than one wallet for sure. I have about five. So it's much less than that. And there's a lot of noise around it already. So growth is coming. You know, Coinbase is a great example coming in with their, their NFT platform and bringing about 68 million active users to the space. Let's say that's, you know, 1% of it will actually stick around. If 1% does, that's exactly the same amount of active wallets we have right now, or a little bit more. So, you know, I'm trying to say is the space is growing. So this will last, you know, hopefully a long time and it will shift um, a lot of things within uh, different industries. So being very mindful of how you come in right now and what is your strategy is really important. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, God, this is mind-blowing. While you were talking here, I've got so many things spinning around in my mind. And, and what you shared reminds me of it. There's a chap called Jeff Kaufman, who actually we're going to have on the pod. He runs it actually at an, an agency called Parachute. And he described it as 
obviously marketing's viewed as typically a cost center, sadly, still, <laughs> kind of revenue center. It's like really the marketing department will become a compounding asset creator, right? Where it's actually generating revenue and compounding revenue because the things that they're doing, uh, the tokens they're creating, the communities they're uh, building into slowly become accretive. So on the balance sheet, it's a revenue generator. So it potentially revolutionizes the way the C-suite and the board view marketing bets and bets within Web3. So that's pretty cool as well and how that could unfold. But that statement seemed very futuristic and, and slightly blue sky. Where is it at, at the moment? Obviously, you're a, a leader in this space, uh, working at a world-class brand, but has great experience at other big brands. In terms of hearts and minds, with the real decision makers, the people who control the balance sheet, pull the trigger on big decisions, out of 10, where are we on the curve in terms of getting it and willing to put their, God, let's face it, with larger company, it's reputation, political capital, <laughs> public reputation sometimes, on really going all in on this. Where are we on that curve, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, to comment on your first first part, um, I don't think it's blue sky. I don't think we're far from it. I think that's one of the most exciting times to be a marketeer um, and understand the space and hopefully have the leverage to pull something off to show the possibilities. Um, because if you think from a marketing point of view, depending on how you partner and how you get together with projects or DAOs or whatever you want to do within the NFT space, you don't, need, you don't really need a lot of capital. You don't need to create something mind-blowing, crazy campaign because the audience is already there. The audience is part of that community. And depending on how many projects you partner, you can enlarge that audience by a quite big number. Still niche, 100%. But if you look from an ROI point of view, I definitely, definitely think what we're going to be start seeing is exactly what you just said. We will start seeing marketing becoming a tool or a platform that instead of spending we will start generating revenue. Uh, and if companies are smart enough about it, that revenue will be directly reinvested into building brand and you know, building and solidifying uh, either presence on the space or uh, you know, just building on top of it. Um, so I'm, I'm a thousand percent uh, with that sort of like thinking. Um, I'm a thousand percent bullish that that's the way we're going to be we're going to start going towards and then on the second question on the second part of it there is a really good meme that basically is a troy is a, is a trojan horse and then you know is sort of like trying to get into the castle uh, and then inside the trojan horse is obviously nfts and the trojan horse is crypto um sorry the the trojan horse is are nfts inside of the trojan horse are basically uh crypto and it's sort of like knocking the door of the castle and, you know, companies are just saying like, yeah, come in, you look cool. Um, I think, you know, I think that the actual issue with, with NFTs uh, has been the understanding on how to bring cryptocurrency into balance sheets for, you know, public traded companies, for example, um, or how you sort of like can help, um, you know, investors or shareholders to understand the volatilities that come with that. 
So I think this is one of the major issues for big corporations on understanding how to how to get into the space. Um, obviously, because it's a fairly new space and crypto is a wild wild west by itself, uh, the legal and sort of like um, legal implications. Um, you know, to be involved within the space obviously is something that, you know, raise some eyebrows here and there. Um, but there are obviously already companies out there specialized in providing exactly that service, uh, you know, either SaaS or consultancy companies or uh, you name it. So once that layer is sorted and figured out in a mainstream level, I think it's going to become easier and easier and easier for companies to to start getting involved and, you know, getting a little bit less um, concerned about it. When it comes to the actual strategy of NFTs, um, you know, I won't lie that the amount of growth and the way the market is behaving right now is clearly the same behavior as, you know, ICOs were back in the day or crypto bubbles were back in the day. Um, Will this crazy bull run end at a certain time? Absolutely, yes. Will, uh, you know, smaller or, you know, in certain levels, will a bubble pop? 100% yes. Nobody can deny the amount of capital that is being, you know, made within the space is, is crazy. Uh, we cannot, you know, just be romantic about it. Um, but will the technology and what comes with the technology and the possibilities of the technology go somewhere? Definitely not. You know, so it's about... of. It's a lot about being strategic on, on how to come in right now and, you know, being really mindful of where we are and where we're heading. Um, I think the overall sentiment within big corporations right now is, is, is a lot of curiosity. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of agencies are reaching out and just sort of like, hey, the, our client doesn't know how to brief. They just say we, we should be doing some metaverse stuff because Facebook just changed their name to meta. Um, we in the agency don't know what this is about. And we're trying to figure out how to educate them. Um, so I feel right now we are in a very big stage of education. Uh, you know, by far, CMOs and people high up don't really even grasp a lot of what's happening just because it has been so quick and so specific and it's so difficult to onboard people because of the nature of it. You know, it's not a conversation you have like in 10 minutes and people are like, yeah, oh, got it. Next thing. Like you definitely like, I couldn't have less than an hour with someone in one-to-one to sort of like try to explain what this thing is about, right? What I think this thing is about, because obviously there's way more than it. Um, so I feel if those two layers of complexity are, you know, sort of like left behind, one is obviously the the the, the more like um, analytical side of it, you know, securities and finance and all of it, and, and the second aspect being education. Um, I feel once that is cleared up and if someone within an organization can do a really, really good job on getting that into uh, senior leadership sort of like um, in front of them in a manner that they understand, um, I feel the potential of, you know, doing something really big and really relevant that can add up value to the brand and add up value to the balance sheet is, is, is immense. Um, the difficult part is obviously going through those conversations because whoever is up to do that is someone that is really passionate about the projects and the space and everything that's happening. Um, and, you know, there's just a certain amount of passion that can be driven because if you, as I said before, are sitting on, uh, 
unpaved territory and having 10, 20, 100 times uh, gains on your initial investment um, becomes really difficult to be patient to teach corporations on how to do things, right? You'd rather go out and do your thing or, you know, scale down or become investor or become a creator or anything like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Thank you, Diego, for all those different vectors. It seems like it's this cocktail of some of the boring but important stuff, governance, gap accounting compliance, let's face it, with public companies, which is key for any CFO and board to sign off. And then it's just education, examples, and in a way, hearts and minds, right? Getting people going, wow, this is a winning strategy. This is going to be critical to my brand uh, moving forward. It, it, it's it's table stakes, that type of mindset. I think we're, yeah, as you say, we're kind of on that on that journey. And it's interesting with Web3, the reason why I feel it's so tense and controversial, <laughs> but in a good way, it's got this really lot of nervous energy around Web3, right? Because this time around, obviously Web1, relatively innocent, let's face it. Web2, read, write cool that's okay but it's this read write and the big scary word own yep and then you've got traditional platform saying but we own all of it are you kidding me like i'm not giving this up and then you've got this kind of struggle now because this is money and value right this one's got that's the big elephant in the room i think everyone's trying to wrestle and Let's face it, there are some slight cold wars happening right now within uh, against Web3, right, which people are trying to um, navigate. And I think there's some key players trying to represent the entire community to do that well. So, yeah, this is uh, it's going to be a fascinating uh, next kind of 12 to 18 months. So just to wrap up, Diego, what, what are some of your exciting predictions for next year in terms of Web3, NFT, social tokens. Have you got any specific things that you think we should keep a close eye on, which is really exciting? Yeah, I mean, for me, what is what is, is going to be exciting now on the next level is the expansion, right? Basically more and more people coming in. Um, you know, if you spend enough time within the NFT community because the size, you know, we are at right now, you can... You can all sort of like by name almost everyone involved still, you know, even though it's a pretty good, pretty big community. Um, the the thing that excites me the most, um, you know, is is that everyone is or like a lot of people, majority of it, the overall feeling have people are really, really exciting on building something that was never possible before. Um, you know, a place that is diverse, a place that is inclusive, a, a place that like everyone is part of can be part of and can create and can do stuff together because now you know because all of this is being like on the metaverse or all of this is being like online and all of this is being like on twitter discords and all of it um everyone from all over the world with internet connection can basically join the party right um and what has been truly inspiring is how much the space has been holding people accountable on we have to make this place the most inclusive and the most uh, you know, diverse places possible just because we cannot afford going routes we already went in the past with Web 1 and Web 2. Like, this is the new way we should be looking at it. And I think that comes a lot as well with the new generations and the new ways of thinking and we being more connected as, as humanity, you know. 
So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm really, you know, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm working hard and I'm being part of communities and I'm interacting and I'm involved with projects to make sure that, you know, the more people that come in, we can still having that um, flag, if you will, or mentality, if you will, uh, within the space, because, you know, that's what will truly shape um, sort of like the, the new way uh, our society can, can, can be and can sort of like connect with each other, right? So that's really exciting um, from a sort of like community and people point of view. Um, now from a, from like, from a more um, professional point of view, I'm really excited to see how companies will come in, how artists will come in, how big creators will come in. Uh, you know, everybody has seen the value when you talk, for example, about music. Right now, creators have the power of disru- disrupting a very, very old model, which is if you are not part of a certain label, it's really hard that your music going to be heard, right? Um, and now, because you can use a community as a Kickstarter in a way that, you know, you can buy an NFT of a certain uh, upcoming artist or new artist, and this artist now can have enough funds to go independent, but because you're an early adopter, um, you can take utility like every time that music is being played somewhere, you get a cut. Or every time there is a new release, you're the first one to get it. Or every time there is an event, it's going to be an event just for people that are holding this token. Um, this applies to every single other sector existing when it comes to you know people creating stuff like artists uh, and, and, and any creator, really. Um, I think this is going to be so exciting. Anyone with an idea that has been trying to make money with it, but just got just doesn't get enough traction, um, now can can put it out there and build community and and get people excited and build it together. Uh, you know, is is one of the very few, if not the first time, that you know big artists or mainstream artists are making money before they die. You know, like Beepo is a great example. He sold for sixty nine million a piece of art. And every time that piece of art changes hands in the future, he's taking a cut as a creator. How incredible is that? Yeah, it's, yeah. Thank you for that, Diego. I think that was a really thoughtful encapsulation of what we should keep a close eye on and some of the macros in the next 12 to 36 months. But you know, another thing I was reflecting on while you were talking, Diego, which ignited my imagination when we were talking about it's some of the boring stuff, but it's important, let's face it, winning hearts and minds, having CEOs, CFOs get their governance and accounting, plumbing, Web3 possible. <laughs> so it reflects on the share price, blah, 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 which I'm just joking because I know that's, that's all important, right? It is important to get things going. We have to get that work done. But I'll, the way I've also observed it is most people have no freaking idea of the GDP possible in the metaverse or in the complete digital world. So you might have some companies saying, oh, I don't like this. I feel like I'm letting go control revenues. Am I sharing too much? Like that there's this kind of, they're used to hoarding the profits, right? And not fractionalizing and and democratizing the value because they've never worked that way, right? It's been pretty much, they claim 99.99% of the revenue and the users get likes, hearts and some dopamine hits, right? 
but this is flipping the model on its head. But I think you've got many folks who don't understand, actually, if we do flip it on its head, the upside is actually exponential in terms of revenue and shareholder value because the unknown, unrealized, unimaginable revenue in the digital world stroke metaverse is probably a thousand times bigger than the analog world, but they just don't see it yet or believe it. Does that make sense? 100%. I mean, you can you can get a very, very simple example of that, but this plays exactly what you're saying. Um, art collection, right? Back in the day, as an art collector, you bring, you know, very, very valuable pieces of art inside of your house. So, you know, whenever you are in, you can look at it and appreciate, or whenever someone comes into your house, you can show them. The amount of people that come in through the, you know, the door of your house to actually look what you were owning what are true and appreciation perspective or on a flex perspective, you know, whatever, whatever you need and whatever is the motives why you buy those things, uh, you collect it, um, is very, 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 very limited. You don't bring everyone to your house. You don't bring hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people inside your house. But as you said, on the metaverse, where is a digital world where everyone with connection to the internet in planet Earth and beyond <laughs> uh, can basically see whatever that collection you have and have access to it that brings it to an entire new level right um so imagine like that applied to anything uh will people need you know clothing in the metaverse or will people be excited about owning certain things for you know flexing on the metaverse will people be excited about uh you know consuming different products in the metaverse will people uh use different services um, will we uh, connect digital with physical and expand and create, um, you know, augmented realities or augmented experiences on it? You buy something digitally that has, uh, like, you know, an expanded experience within the metaverse, uh, 100%. So you're building an entire new layer, which before was impossible because physically uh, we can't do it all, but now since it's digital is within a, uh, you know, a digital platform, there is absolutely no limits, limits on what you can potentially do. Um, and that will open an entire new field, uh, you know, of possibilities of creativity. Um, and, you know, it, it, it just creates, I mean, inimaginable. I cannot even imagine, as you said before, you know, the, the, the growth opportunity or the GDP opportunity or the revenue opportunity or how much, uh, you know, value can be generated, financial value can be generated within, within the metaverse, for example, you know? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's the same thing in web one. If in 1996, and I'm old enough to remember this, if you ask someone to manifest in their mind, Airbnb, Uber, even Spotify, because that's mm. pretty natural. 98 oh that was my 96 they couldn't imagine it but i think web3 places that unimaginable world to another dimension because you're like because once once we are adopted and we've got the boring stuff like the picks and shovels and accountant accountant accounting compliance and all that stuff done and regulatory and have governments feeling comfortable what that will then evolve to we can't even imagine right of the use cases, the services, 
the revenue opportunity, the growth for people in that community. It's I can't even imagine it right now. I mean, if it, 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 I'll give a really boring example, but it's very true. Again, I'm old enough to remember this, Diego. Back in the mid-90s, and in fact, even early 2000s within SMB mainly, people didn't even understand e-commerce properly. They didn't. They're like, oh, I've got a physical store. Do I really need an e-commerce backend or is that an extra waste of budget? I know I need a landing page and a website, but do I really need to enable bookings online if I'm a restaurant or hmm. able to buy stuff online if I'm a mobile accessory seller? Even in the early 2000s, people were questioning that decision. I don't know if you remember that or if you're old enough yeah. to remember that. For sure, I do. But the thing is, we cannot forget that we are just going through almost two years of pandemic, which the entire world has experienced and has changed. Now people get digital because they were forced to. If you go into big cities right now, um, London, you know, Berlin, um, Tokyo, New York, the centers are dying because, you know, people are just buying stuff online. You don't need like a big, massive flagship store anymore. It could become a experience shop where people come to experience physically the brand, the smell, the touch, 100%. On the short term, 100%. But the actual transactional volume or transactional value is going to happen online more and more and more and more. We've seen it. We've experienced it. And I feel the difference from the time it took in the past for people to get digital um, was much longer than the time that it's taking and will take for people to get the metaverse, to get Web3, because we are forced to now. We were forced okay, so you... to rethink the way we are and the way we spend our time and how things are as society because we just had to sit home and we couldn't go out and we couldn't do much on the physical world and we were forced to use the internet and the digital world more and more. And now we realize, well, that, that can actually make my life much easier. And I feel, you know, like that, that, that transact, that, that, you know, that change just happened and that accelerates everything. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. The, the, the black swan event of the pandemic was definitely, I feel a five, six year accelerant of what was the inevitable anyway. So that's kind of fast tracked hearts and minds and habits yeah you've seen that on e-commerce you've seen that on remote working you've seen that on almost every single segment right you've seen that on supply chain why why so exciting you know and you've seen obviously meta's announcement right they're going to invest 10 billion dollars this year uh within the, the next year on building whatever is the metaverse for them right um those guys are this, one of the smartest out there right they understand socioeconomic. They understand, uh, you know, attention. They understand technology. This is not a small bet. They changed their, their company name, right? That displays whether, you know, you in favor or not in favor. That's a, a separate conversation. But that by itself displays uh, where we're heading, right? And all of that, again, accelerated by the current um, socioeconomic situation we are facing around the world. Um, so, you know, like... That for me is a, is a huge flag that there is no going back, um, you know, and uh, now is a matter of like being open mind and understanding how, you, you know, we can profit from the situation uh, and build on top of it and, 
you know, be early and, and be in front of it to help creating and shaping whatever we think the future should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't agree more with the areas you're covering, Diego. And you mentioned one thing, said, right, this one's going to be faster. Obviously, with the pandemic, we already had momentum anyway through Web2 where people get it. But I would say the Web2 digital marketing sphere, that journey was, oh God, you'd know better than me, but what, eight to 12 years for kind of really juicy adoption? Is, is that fair, Diego? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's still, depending on where you are, right? I mean, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in Germany, I'm based in Germany, and I have a lot of clients in Germany. Um, I would say there took up a little bit longer just because of the way the culture is. Massive mm. companies that are on the e-commerce side they didn't have a website to 2010. They didn't have an application to 2015, 16. Oh, shit. Wow. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, it depends, depends where you are and depends where you're coming yeah. from, right? Wow. Um, so, yeah, like, it, it did take <laughs> shit down of time to people understand that digital actually can move the numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, because certain parts of Europe, obviously, links to GDPR and just culture. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. yep. I forgot about that. This They were late to even having a back end in terms of basic e-commerce. Wow. But I'm, I'm hoping this stage is faster because they've seen Web 2. So so back to the point that you mentioned that this is going to be quicker. How much quicker? When? What year do you think we'll say we're going to be hitting the stride of the S-curve? In I your think, opinion, what do you think? If you would have asked me that like two weeks ago, I would say like probably 10 years. But because what has been announced lately from like, you know, companies going full remote biggest companies in the world going like full remote right um people like not being really interested on in going back to you know a physical place to work every day so that by itself uh, by the actual fact that you know um physical store supply chain has been impact all over the world and we need to now figure out a new way of making business and making products and services uh, that's already like a need and a financial motivation to change things and then on top of it you look at again what meta has announced what microsoft has announced and what like all water big tech players are looking into right now which is you know whatever metaverse is for them again uh that's where they are heads down focus on building like facebook has got has bought oculus i think like seven years ago right they've been building the future of, you know, metaverse and all of it um, for about seven to eight years now. They're like out there, right? They're not just starting. So all of those things combined give me the feeling that in five years from now, it's going to be really funny to have a conversation like we have in trying to understand and explain and introduce and onboard people to what this thing actually is because everybody's going to know because everybody's part of it. And by everybody, obviously, I'm talking about a very, very privileged part of society that has access to the internet. So you're, in a nutshell, 2027, 2028, where we're right in the meat of it. And then, obviously, then still a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you look at, like, do you know Sandbox, the platform? Yeah, I know the guys at Sandbox, and obviously they're... Right. they're Received a lot of public online noise. They seem like they're they're moving quick. Yeah, look look at how much pieces of digital land are being sold, and look of the like the name of the brands that are within that space right now. 
Like, but is that is that speculation more from a price action standpoint, or do you think it's meaningful long term building? I think as a retail investor, is a speculation, right? Because you see the up the, the the upside, and you want to have you know your money down there to get um, exposure to you know that type of asset class. But from brand's point of view, I think I think you can speculate on such a thing, right? Um, if you're like Tesla, or you know they're there, or if you're like uh, a lot of like gaming brands are already in there, or like you know other uh, other type of creators as well, like Snoop Dogg is in there. Um, you know that by itself for me shows the appetite because again, right, is where the money is, and also obviously the VC investments behind it, which has been ginormous. Uh, the appetite of like building those things, and they already, I mean. Sandbox has Sandbox has been building for about seven years as well. They're not live yet, but I mean, if you look, if you look the gameplays and the you know sort of like walkthroughs and watch whatever Seb Sebastian the CEO is talking about, like you know what they're up to, and it's going to be huge. So that that's one platform, right? You have a lot of them out there. I don't know which one is going to be the one that's going to make it. Uh, the central ends as well, another one. Uh, but that for me, just the the speed that those things are picking up. Uh, and also, you know, the name of the creators and, and, and companies and people involved um, just show me like there is something cooking there, right? Um, and once the infrastructure is there, the mentality is there, the need, which, you know, is one of the most important things being the need to do so, which I feel we do as a society right now to go more and more digital and, and more and more like connected on the digital scheme rather than on the physical when it comes to locations and all of it, just because, you know, the current situation we are at. Um, I think there's no going back. I can't imagine companies now asking, you know, people to go 100% back to work physically. That just won't happen anymore. It won't happen anymore that to have this conversation, I need to fly over and meet you in London or whatever in the world you are. We do that digitally. Will that change? No. Can that become better? Can this experience we're having right now, you know, transcend the screen and the boring whatever zone interface? Absolutely. Can we sit in a crazy metaverse planet around a campfire? I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm an alien, and you are whatever you want to be, and like just drinking some digital tea and talking. Yes, and that's where I think we're heading because we need that now. We need to transcend and elevate the experience because the social connection is digital and won't go back from there. We'll just evolve. But now, how can we get a better experience? How can we bring the human aspects of a digital connection? How can we you know, um, just sort of like connect in a, in a, in a different manner. Um, so, you know, like that, that's like wrapping it all to go back to your initial question. That's why I'm so bullish that this can take more than five years because will we see it on like teams and zoom calls for the next five years? Of course not. It was the same with Slack, right? Do you, do you send emails? I, I, I barely send emails anymore. I'm using teams, Slack, all types of communications, you know, those are channels, but, to experience something together, we need better interfaces. And for me, that's like a glance and a small part of what the metaverse can be. Yeah, it's you mentioned sandbox to central land and, and, and that no going back. I would share that sentiment, Diego. And it, and actually the fang stocks do play a big part of this, let's face it, right? Like for example, meta well. FB changing the name to Meta. Hmm. Come on, that that moves Sandbox and and Decentraland, right? <laughs> Let's face it. In terms of 
people yeah, jumping man. on it. That, that didn't help. And then the token went four X in a day. Yeah, it's like crazy. <laughs> They're gonna be part of the gang, right? Let's face it, we're not gonna walk away from them. Yep. They're actually a huge influence. So let's just I think I think even the OGs accept that. They do. They know like any intelligent, logical OG in this space will go, of course. Yeah, I mean you can if be romantic about yeah, you can be romantic it. about like is that the right you know company that should be building it because what they've done in the past like i don't know i'm not romantic yeah, about really. it will that bring more mainstream will that bring more people will that accelerate the development will that uh you know expand on the possibilities will that help make everything faster a thousand percent right um who will decide whether they are the ones that should be doing it or not is the market the market decides and you know yeah. That that's up to the market to decide, and because the the sort of like system we live, if the market decides that they are the one, they're the one. Yeah, it's you know another big moment because when you mentioned Meta, I think another interesting moment for next year, which I'm keeping a keen eye on, is if Apple launched their long-awaited Apple Glass product, say in April or May. I think that will have a huge accelerant in terms 100%. of adoption, hearts and minds. It, it just is, let's face it, right? I know, obviously, I know they're still part of the fan crew and some of the OGs from a philosophical standpoint will go, oh, they shouldn't be owning the metaverse. I mean, it doesn't mean they own it. It's just accelerating it. But if, obviously, Tim Cook's been there over 10 years, everyone's saying, look, for him to have a signature kind of play, to kind of mark his tenure it has to be something like that from to if he does leave go out on a proper high that's what they've been secretly working on for the last five six years so so that's going to be fascinating if uh if yeah, that actually happens 100 i mean we need we need to transcend the phone as a platform of connecting digitally with the rest of the world there is no question about it right like how how analog feels to be holding a screen on your hand as we've been doing for the last 10 to 12 years. It's that. We have to face it. The phone is that. What is next and how next will look like, that's what is exciting. But, you know, there is not much more you can do with this thing from an experience point of view, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's like augmented reality through glasses, contact lenses, or whatever the next step. I don't know. but we need another platform. And yes, as soon as this platform is out, what does that do? Is play back into the metaverse, play back into, uh, you know, how, how are we going to experience the digital world? Yeah. Yeah. This is where I think, I mean, I can, this is it. Yeah. This is, I think we're completely aligned on this, Diego. And also <laughs> it's interesting. The actual iPhone, what, 10 onwards, enables the glasses because what rumors are, is actually your phone will be the edge compute to really support the glasses in terms of the glasses capability. It just to kind of fast track V1 and V2, and then I'm guessing by V3, all that compute will be possible in the frame of a of a pair of glasses. But obviously we're spinning off completely here. But it, yeah, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's going to be a fascinating moment next year if that does get announced. But yeah, the, I mean, we've gone. Today's been a brilliant conversation. We've absolutely loved having you on board, Diego. 
amazing insight from your perspective on Web3 and NFTs and everything linked to that wacky <laughs> world. So, so thank you so much for your time today. And hopefully we can um, do part two in maybe July and August of next year, right? And go, let's see where H1 played out. Hit me up. I'm up for it. I mean, you know, I I can't be wrong with a lot of what I'm predicting. That's that's where my gut is at. I've been wrong before, but I've also been right before. So, you know, um, I'm excited to come back and review and, and laugh or, or, you know, just uh, go over it once again, right? I appreciate your time. appreciate you giving me the space. And um, I hope I could add value to your, to your community. Take care, Diego. Take care, my friend. And hopefully I'll see you again soon. Speak soon. And there you have it, everyone, for today's interview with Diego Borgo. Firstly, I want to thank Diego for sharing his wisdom and expertise with us here today. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did, then hit that subscribe button. If you absolutely love today's episode, then share this out with a friend or colleague. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Again, if you want to grab your free copy to the definitive guide to connected innovation intelligence that will give you an in-depth understanding of how CII can help your business innovate better, then head over to patsnap.com or click the link in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll be back next week with another one. Continue to embrace your childlike wonder and stay curious.